Hello and welcome to another episode of Reptile and Chill. I'm Mike. And I'm Danny. I am the host. And for all those listeners who are listening for the first time, this podcast is available to listen to from the Reptile and Chill Facebook page, Spotify, iTunes, and most other podcasting platforms. And if you want to help support our podcast, please head on over to reptileandchill.bigcartel.com and look at our hoodies and t-shirts for sale. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello. What's <laughs> that? What that? What's that? What's that? That went out years ago. I'm bringing it back. Watch me. Hashtag. <laughs> hashtag. <"What's that?" laughs> How are we doing, guys? I'm absolutely right, delightful. <laughs> I'm okay. Speak You're yourself. okay. How are you, mate? I'm all right. You better. Was, uh, I am, yeah. And our, a lot of our listeners would have seen the post that we we put up um, about what happened to one of my beautiful carpet pythons, Jade. Um, yeah, I'm, where do I start? Um, I suppose we all lose animals and it's part and parcel, it's life. But then you wake up in the morning sometimes... All of the time I've lost a snake, I've woke up in the morning and I thought, oh, what's gone wrong here? And you're gutted and, and they're dead. But when you actually go through that process of the kids were having their dinner and I've, the, the, the snake tanks are in the dining room at the moment, well, still going through a, um, an extension. And I just looked down to Jade's tank and she'd sort of like, grabbed hold of some of the sort of like substrate and, and, and the plants that was in there and was curled up. She was on her back and straight away I just knew it was like that seizure type fit. And um and I, and I, and you start to panic. So I was like, right, kids, go out the room, go out the room. They were they was a little bit worried, but I was just like, get out the room. And then when I started to grab hold of her, um the first thing I noticed was um, the back end of her had just gone limp. If you can imagine, like, when a snake's been run over, and you know when they've broke the back, and that last bit is just totally lifeless. That's the first thing I, that I noticed. And then I started to worry because I thought, oh, my word, has she broke back, like, having a seizure, or has she damaged herself having a seizure? And it was well above... Um, event which then you start to worry a little bit more then yeah. i mean the first thing i did i run i, I rung hoss and and yourself and and you was both giving me advice and 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 I, and, I, and I can't thank you enough for that and then as i started to get out i realized that she was so dehydrated and i couldn't understand why she was so dehydrated because well, I'd sent you guys the picture of her locked up with a male, literally. Mm-hmm. I think, well, that was the 12th of January. So I think it was, yeah, I think I think it was, it was... six days before. Yeah, like days. a week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, then as I got her out, I knew you can just feel it. It's just like muscle fatigue had gone. Um, and I looked into her. I could see that her mouth was open a bit. And I opened her mouth up and she had two absolutely ginormous abscesses in her mouth and how she'd been able to cover them from me um i I do not know um yeah so yeah he just went from there then um you was talking me through things danny hoss literally said right he only lives not too far away i'll be there in 10 minutes um we, we i was trying to get fluids into her 
um, until Haas got here. And then he's got this fantastic, um, it's called Avi Pro Plus, and I think it's for all animals, if I'm if I'm right, Haas. Yeah, yeah? yeah it's, it's basically um, a mixture of different fibres and vitamins, and it's, it's really good for... Um, I've used it in the past when I've had snakes regurge quite a bit and obviously they've lost all the water and the electrolytes. Um, it's really good for kind of getting them going again. And obviously with, you know, with, with this, this animal being so dehydrated, if we could get some of this in, um, then it may have like just give her just enough kind of nutrition just to kind of pull through, um, at least while we can get her to the vets tomorrow. Um, yeah. And that was the hope, wasn't it? it wasn't. And, and if I'm honest with you, my first thought was right then, I want to I want to video this and and show that how snakes can go from so ill back bounce back you know I thought get their electrolytes into her get the fluid into her take her to the vets the next day probably a course of antibiotics which I've done before and then they're absolutely fine and that was my you know what I really wanted to do and it, it just went totally the opposite way um we we got enough fluid into her me and hoss was both happy that she'd got enough fluid into her but Mm -hmm. then she was having further seizures um and it was i actually think it was just like total organ failure hoss you Mm -hmm. were saying about her lungs and 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 whatnot and if I'm honest with you, like you say, you have a reptile die, you're absolutely gutted and mortified. But when it's happening in front of you, and I was sat yeah. there thinking, I can't do anything. I can't yeah. I can't help you. And, and, and I want to because I know you you're so helpless, don't you? Yeah. And it absolutely broke me. Well, you saw the yeah. state of me. I mean, I was... Yeah. Uh, it's horrible because all you want to do, you, we all love animals, every single animal in this planet, and and you just want to be able to look after them, and 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 then you start blaming yourself. You you know you mm-hmm. get that guilt. What is, should, should I have checked her mouth? You know the day before, should I have got her out? And oh, just a million questions go through it's your it, head. It, I mean, it it brings me to probably one of the biggest differences between apart from the cold blood um, one of the biggest differences between reptiles and humans humans <clears throat> will get an illness yeah. and we will we'll moan about it straight away we whinge about it we'll tell everybody we'll tell the world oh i'm so poorly we'll get ourselves up the doctors and we'll get antibiotics in us straight away whereas reptiles they'll do the exact opposite they will do their very very best to hide that from you and from every, from potential predators, they will do yeah. everything in their power to hide the fact that they have any sort of ailment. So unless, like I said to you before, unless you you check your animals' mouths on on a on a very like make, like a weekly basis, how, how would you yeah. how would you have known? You just wouldn't know. And, and do you know what you saying that, Danny? It's the last thing. The last thing we want is our snake to open their mouth because it's usually for a reason, isn't it? It's either to eat or to bite us. So the yeah. last thing we want them to do is open their mouth. But yeah. I think this proves you really should, you know, just give yeah. them a little check in their mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you know, um, you know, going back to what we were talking about just a little while ago um, about the the whole eating, shedding, and pooing thing. Yeah. Um, it's not it, it, it isn't an effective way 
to tell if your animal is is healthy. Okay, the basics. You know, you know, it's eating, it's shedding, it's pooing, it's doing everything it should. That's yeah. great. You know, maybe a great selling point. You know, if you're trying to sell on an animal, it's doing I think, everything. I think it should if you're trying to sell, fine, I think. Sorry, Danny. Danny, I think on young snakes where they should have just been hatched you can mm-hmm. go yeah they're shedding pooing and eating because mm-hmm. that's the first three things that you want out of your hatching that's the most snake. basic things yeah that's but the it, most but, basic things you want to be looking at but it, but it's nonsense when it comes mm-hmm. to an older snake because like yeah. you said my snake was actually locked up six days with a male mm-hmm. where she what she must have had the abscesses then you know, but it's like I said to you. You know, um, I think I think it's uh, Francis that's that's point that put the point across a few times, um, especially with snakes. I think they will do in, in a in a dire situation, in a bad when they find themselves in a bad situation, they will do anything they can to breed and pass on their genes. Just and, passing and on that, their genes, yeah, yeah. And that could well have been what she was doing. She thought, okay, I'm. I'm on, on I'm I'm on the way out. I could feel it. You know, this is my time. I need to pass all these genes, and that and that could well have been what she was doing. You know, Possibly. more than ready to breed in that situation. She'd be more than ready to breed. And you think so uh, more so with males because you think they can do the business and then go off and. But with a female, yeah, I mean, they go yeah. through so much when they're when they're grabbed and when they have eggs. I mean, we mm-hmm. we make it a little bit easier by taking them away from the eggs and incubating them. But in the wild. Mm-hmm. You know, they yeah. starve themselves for so long. I mean, they're on the brink, aren't they? <laughs> when they, when they, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, and, absolutely. and you think, God, you know, you're really ill, but you're still willing to, you know, pass on your genes. And it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. No wonder they've lived for so long. I think the best, thing, goes... the, the best thing, obviously, this is a really horrible situation, but the, the best thing I took from it as well is how positive your kids have been about this and how understanding. <laughs> Oh God, yeah. <laughs> so, so Billy come down first thing in the morning. Obviously, she was ill um, before. Obviously, they was having the dinner, so they knew. And then they went to bed when she passed away. Um, Billy come down. He's always first up, and he said, "How's Jade?" And I said, "Yeah, unfortunately, mate, she didn't survive the night." And he's like me; he's quite emotional, so he shed a few tears and why, and asked all the questions, and I explained through it. Um, and my daughter, who's thirteen, she's very much like a mum, and she come down and she's and and she's absolutely animal mad. And she said, um, "How's Jade?" And I said, "Unfortunately, Maya, she didn't make it." And she went, "Do you know what, Dad? I'm glad. She was in pain, and now she's not. Mm-hmm. And it was that cut and dry. It was just she was glad that she wasn't suffering. And okay, she's died, but she was absolutely fine about it. Mm-hmm. So." You know, it's a big yeah. learning to, learning process you know, for the kids. Two, two very, two very different, but two very um, grounded kids. If you know what I mean. I hope so. Definitely. I hope so. Right. Yeah, in, in different ways. Right, okay. I'm just a little bit conscious of time because our guest, we did say we get them on at half past. Um, <laughs> Danny, let's get on to your feature of the week. It's that time of the week. It's agony, Danny. <laughs> um, I don't have uh too much for you guys this week That's um, yeah um one, one i'm thing. really surprised because he has been on his period all week i have been on period <laughs> <laughs> we won't go into that but i've not, I've not <laughs> been every suggestion every time i've rang him 
Every time, I I, actually, every shit. time I've thought shit. about him, I've had a pain in my side. He's done that. <laughs> yeah, I was literally just, yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, all right, yeah, I said I wouldn't bring it up. You're not, you're not wrong, but yeah, I have, I have been on the blog all week. That is such a horrible thing to say, but yeah, definitely. Um, I'll tell you what, the, the only thing that's really, really griped me this week in the hobby... Um, and and I, I know there is a few people out there that will agree with me because I've seen people make posts before saying the same thing. Um, and it does. I do. I do think it gets to a lot of people. Um, and most people probably completely ignore it and they're like, "Yeah, fine." But one thing that's really done my head in. I've, I've seen it this weekend. Is when someone makes a post in a in a group saying, "Oh, you know." Um, for example, I'm thinking about getting such and such, you know, or such and such. Um, I've had a little look on the internet, blah, 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 blah. Um, tell me the pros and cons of each. No. You, you tell me the pros Demanding. and cons of each. Say, say, say please. Well, don't be so, don't, not, don't be so only, yeah, not only that, <laughs> mate, I, you, we shouldn't be telling you the, the cons and pros. Go and do your own bloody research. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, okay. Uh, without you know, without being too so hard, guys, too we critical, have actually you know. told people to make sure that they ask the right questions. But I yeah, think exactly. That's the yeah, I yeah. Think without it's why too, they too ask. critical, it's like yeah. Um, and actually, it's not really a big deal. It's just because I've been on a period, and it really pissed me off at the time. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not going. No, I'm not going to help you because you hadn't even said it nicely. I mean, you know, if I asked for some help, I said, hey, you know, is there any chance I could just pick your brain and you've got five minutes or something like that? You know, just go go a certain way about it. Don't just go, tell me what is best. Tell me this. Show me your animals. Show me this. No. Stop being fucking rude. Say please. That's what pissed me off this weekend. That wouldn't have pissed him off last week, would you he? You know what? I, I can add on. Week, everything's pissed him off. I can add on that a bit, to be honest. I think people's... Um, and I don't think it's just a thing uh, with the reptile hobby itself, but I think it's a, a very much a human, a human thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Where are manners, you know... That people are backstabbing well, and moaning and trying to put people under the bus all the time, you know. And it's always for self gain and con- constantly kind of like, you know, trying to demoralise yeah. people. And there's no please, there's no thank you. It's basically fuck you, every man for themselves. What the hell? If we're gonna, yeah. if we are gonna forget, blame the parents. Yeah, blame you know the parents. I mean? But uh, well, you know, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes kids are just kids and they don't want to bloody listen and the parents are decent people so yeah. it's not always that that, that mm-hmm. being the case but come on this is something that we all are really passionate about rather than fighting each other if i can't breed something right let's not get jealous because you can breed it and you're producing these animals why don't we sit down together and work out why i'm not doing it and what you're doing differently and learn We've spoke about this on the podcast before, though, oh, haven't we? Yeah, we've said, do you know what? Yeah. Sometimes a snake will breed in one house and the same snake will not breed in another. It just happens that we don't know why, but there's just something different in that house for him to breed or something will just kick them off that we don't realise. You know, we're trying to learn. Mm. And, we you know, I, I saw a post by Keith McPeak this week and he went, 
there's a big storm coming, get your animals ready because mole mine are going mental. And, you know, those little bits of advice are fantastic because it usually does kickstart them, doesn't it? Definitely. When, when, when there's a storm or unsettled weather. Air pressure. And it's I thought that, pressure, yeah, yeah, air pressure. And, and I thought that was quite a nice thing to do. You know, he was just telling the community, we've got a storm coming. Let's get your animals ready. Well, if you want to breed yeah. them, this is the ideal time. Obviously, Did you say please? <laughs> please breed. Um, get your animals ready. No, yeah. get your I, animals ready. You've, you've got a <laughs> barometric pressure change as well, which is something that... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, air pressure is huge. Ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually, I was talking to a couple of different uh, chondro keepers recently, um, and I have ordered a digital barometric pressure reader or whatever the dial or whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, and you so actually I'm, managed to get that out, mate. How did you manage that? I don't know, yeah. You just pronounced that perfectly. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's called a barometer. A, a barometer. Well, you know, I don't care. Oh, we need a barometer. I don't care. Yeah. Right, <laughs> fuck you. Um, yeah, so it was close. It, it, it was close, Phelps. Come on. <laughs> it was close for Haas. It has barometric a, pressure let, reading God, device thing. God, you're bullying me now. Stop bullying me. <laughs> Feelings, I've got feelings. Oh, um, bless him. It hasn't turned up yet, but it will be interesting. I am going to kind of make a note, start go down in the morning and check what, you know. I mean, if you typed it in how you spelt it or pronounced it, mate, anything could turn up. I didn't order this. You know, you know what, right. My feature of the week is... It's Hoss's Herb of the Week. Right, so this is a species that I've kept before, and they are known as the tiger leg monkey tree frog or the barred leaf frog, and it's Phyla medusa tumopterna. Yeah, he's been practicing. Whoa! Am I? Am I? Am I allowed to? I mean, can I say this bit separately? Um, Am I allowed to ask what happened to that monkey tree frog? Um, I actually passed them on to a friend. Oh, okay. Um, so when I was when it, I moved house, we was doing lots of decorating. Was um, it was it the frog guys? It was uh, Luke Harris from Slankle. It was it was yeah. the frog guys. It was one of the frog guys. It was one of the frog people. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I really, to be honest, I didn't want to move them on, but my reptile at house wasn't complete yet. We were doing loads of decorating um, in the house and paints and glosses. And I just got a little bit paranoid about all these kind of fumes being in the air. And obviously, with the way frogs yeah. are. Um, I didn't want to risk it, so I was like, dude, do you want these? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, <laughs> I haven't got any frogs. <laughs> um, That's but, not a bad thing, mate. No, no. Um, so these are found in Bolivia, Brazil, <laughs> Colombia, Venezuela, and the surrounding areas. And they're a bit bit weird. Um, they're a tree frog, but you don't keep them humid. They like it quite hot, so I used to keep them with a basking temperature of around 31 degrees. Um, now, oh, you, you still spray them. You've got to keep them wet. So they are a frog, but they kind of like appreciate being dried out just that little bit. Um, right. You know, and they're really cool. They're kind of like a bright green, slightly teal frog. And the sides, mm-hmm. it's almost like a top, obviously the name being tiger legged. All down there, the side of their legs and their under underbelly, it's all kind of like tiger print, and they're quite cool. Um, and there's, cool. there's something that I'd, um, I will eventually keep again. Um, tell you what, it's surprising that they like it so hot. To be fair, can I ask a question? Go on then. So you said tonight Please. we're going to cut down our features because we're conscious of time. We don't want to rabble on. 
this is the first time you've actually spoke properly about herp of the week and you've gone on about it like you know it. No, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being funny, right? But I should know. Hours I'm... later. <laughs> I, did I did say that I wanted to be done with the features by 25 minutes. So I'm actually going to pass it over to you now, Mike, and you've got five minutes. Uh, uh oh, here we go. You've literally got five minutes, mate. Good luck. The Herp Times excitedly spoken by Phelpsy. Well, mine's a little bit. Obviously, because of the way I'm feeling, it's not going to be as excitable as it usually is, and I'm going to speak a little bit slower. <laughs> um, and I've had, family up, I've had family up today as well, so I've had a couple of beers. We've done food and beers today, so I'm probably talking a little bit slower anyway. Um, cheese, cheese, there's lots of cheese. Slurring, there's loads of cheese on the cheese. table and cheesecake. Mm. Um, right, okay, so... <laughs> couple of things that I wanted to bring up. Um, I'm going to probably bring up the most... Yeah, I am going to bring up the most important first. Um, I saw a post on Facebook today by Tell Hicks's wife, and it was probably the nicest picture I've seen in a while. Um, for the listeners that don't know, Tell Hicks was a phenomenal artist and rept- was so passionate about the reptile hobby. Um, some of the paintings he did of reptiles were unbelievable and um, he had a horrendous accident and which left him basically paralyzed from the neck down at, at, at the first point um, he's progressing through and I saw a beautiful picture of him um, sat up in a chair and he was strapped to the chair but he most importantly he had a pencil in his thing, in his hand and he was drawing some shapes on a on a on a pad doodles. Yeah. Oh, and it's like going right back to the start again and it, i loved all the posts and they were going yes go on tell you can do it like it was like yeah. a massive inspirational boost yeah um so i just wanted to say well done tell you you're absolutely smashing it you know you've gone through a horrendous thing and i know you've had um some some sort of like a couple of strokes previous and and but you just keep on getting up and you just keep on proving everybody wrong and and for me that is absolutely fantastic definitely i think he's one of the uh, he's one of the kindest and definitely one of the most strongest men that i've ever came across yeah absolutely Do do you guys do you guys reckon we'll be able to auction off that doodle sheet Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> I, I reckon you know we could. I'd, I'd pay money right. for that. Let's, uh, first, is it Eileen? First is right. he did. Yeah. Yeah. After yeah, on, he, on his road yeah. to recovery. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it'll be like, uh, is it uh, Thingy Hearst? Jeff, what's his name? Something Hearst, the uh, the artist. He only has to draw a stick, man. He gets thousands for it. Tell's going to smash him <laughs> out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah, that was probably the most important bit of news for me personally and, and to a lot of other people. Um, mm-hmm. Secondly, um, Doncaster, the, we've got a, another show now in April. So the 7th of April, there's another show on for the IHS. Um, mm-hmm. And whilst we're talking about the IHS, it's been a big subject this week. Um, we said on the podcast a long time ago that... We, they was talking about supporting 
um, smaller sort of like charities, um, r- rescue centres, whatnot. And we always said that we wanted them to sort of like support um, Midlands, Giant Species, uh, Snake Rescue, um, Joe and Jez, they've been on the show. I think what they do is phenomenal. Um, they travel up and down the country on a regular basis. I mean, if you follow them on Facebook, you'll see, like, right then, we're giving up this day and we're going to travel up here. They're going to they're going to go and get a snake. They bring it back. The amount of food that those guys go through must be phenomenal. I saw a picture of the freezer. See the freezer? <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. la- just laced just with big old rabbits. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, and I know they do get some help off, off a couple of people um, locally and whatnot. Um, so that's brilliant. But the IHS of sort of like there was a bit of a big discussion about it, wasn't there? Um, yeah. About why they wouldn't support them because they don't support giant reptiles. But there was a, there was there was a number of people, snakes and adders. There was one of them that sort of like said no, we we we, we disagree. Um, there was a there was a great debate online, um, and they've said they'll give them a table at Doncaster so they can promote it. We're going to definitely help them promote it. So we want to get behind them, whether we do some uh, designs for T-shirts for them and and get that ball rolling. But I just want everybody who's at the Doncaster show to go over and have a good old chat with uh, Joe and Jez because they're absolutely beautiful couple they do fantastic things um for the reptiles and um if i'm honest with you after you two and when i was going through all that pain on friday night with with jade um joe was the first person um on the phone to say look we've got all the necessary emergency supplies we can get it to you um um, that was ready to drop everything and help me out, and unfortunately, it was a little bit too late. But yeah, top top people, and yeah, uh, that's what I wanted it's, to bring up. It's brilliant. Uh, it's brilliant to know that that uh, when something goes wrong, there are at least at least individuals in the community that are there to you know are willing to help out. Um, <clears throat> you know, our our main aim of this podcast is to bring the community together. And that is the sort of thing we like to see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people are willing to help each other, not slate each other behind everybody's back. You know, come together as a community, as a as a family, really. Um, and yeah, just just have each other's back. Oh, that's, can that's, I, that's can, I, can, I, can I just stay there, there, Danny? Come together mm-hmm. as a fanny because hashtag <laughs> reptile lives. As a fanny, as, as a, a fanny, fanny. as a family. <laughs> No, you, you didn't say that. You said funny. You actually said funny. Oh, I can't you wait for you to listen to that back because you're going to absolutely kick. No, yourself. what he'll do, he'll edit it <laughs> and then put in him saying family and go, I go family. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right in what you're saying. And I tell you what, what I realised, all the arguing people do went online. The difference was on Friday night when I was suffering, everybody forgot about all the arguments Mm-hmm. The messages and the help and support I've had is absolutely phenomenal, and I can't thank and everybody enough for that. Honestly, it was it was ridiculous. I, I, my wife was going, "Why is your phone sort of like bleeping all the time?" And I went, "This is all the messages everybody's sending me, which was which was lovely. So and it was comforting." 
Cool. Yeah, have have you yeah, any further news, Mr. Phelps? I have, but I'm going to save it till next time, and it's it's involving pigeons and chlamydia. Oh God. Right. Oh my God! Yeah, let's save that one. <laughs> yeah, please do. Um, just before we get our guest on the show, I just want to add my own little bit of news. Um, <laughs> uh, um, I thought the worst thing that sticks out of my mind is I'm sure chlamydia is a human-based <laughs> disease. So what the fudge is going on there? I, I'm really looking I'm telling you, that pigeon, pigeons are passing on chlamydia. But I'm not going to say no more. Listen to next week's show right. to find out. Right, okay. So, whilst you're all thinking about pigeons and chlamydia, uh, head on mm. over to our brand new YouTube page. Uh, just type in reptile and channel. Channel page, same channel. thing, same difference. Um, unfortunately, it's only my ugly mug at the moment. Um, <laughs> but hopefully we can get some really good content on there if you guys do want to see anything in particular any form of guides or perhaps a different spin on things just get in touch and there's one last thing i want to say um when we did the whole new year uh, and it was coming in we did this uh pr- promotion on facebook that if we reach 2000 likes we give away one free t-shirt now we didn't reach that but we've just absolutely smashed it out of the park this this week um, yeah. So what I'm going to say is that the first person to message the Reptile and Chill Facebook page saying, give me my bloody T-shirt, we're going to send them out a free T-shirt. Oh, and it has, to be, like it has it. to be that, give me my, give bloody, me my t-shirt. bloody T-shirt. Yes. It has to be those exact words. The first person on Monday morning, once this podcast is aired, just to message the Reptile and Chill Facebook page with give me my bloody T-shirt is going to get a free one. And it has to, it has to be a private inbox you can't yep. put it on the on the page itself in the comments <laughs> it has to go to the inbox and that's about it i'm gonna ring our guest in hopefully he picks up first time awesome a ring ring ding, 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 ding. i love this bit we need some elevator music what happens if the the, the guest doesn't answer it's just us three mate <laughs> <laughs> He has there. He's here. All right, mate. Have you? The world famous Dan Mullery. He's on our Reptile and Chill podcast. You've just given me. Well, I don't know about I don't know about the world famous thing, but yeah, I am here. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Thank you. We're all good, mate. It's a it's a it's a Sunday evening over here. so we're sort of like finishing off the night. Whereabouts are you at the moment, Dan? Uh, I'm in California, west coast of the U.S. It is Ooh. like 12.30 in the afternoon, and it's a, nice. actually a nice sunny day out here. Whereabouts? Just like in the uh, Los Angeles area. Ah, oh, very nice. Okay, and what, what's the temperature at the moment outside? Uh, it's about 75, fair enough. Oh, I don't know. Celsius, nice. I don't know. We pushed up to three degrees Celsius today here. Dan, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on the show, and I just want to say a big thanks for, for, for coming on. Yeah, sure. Yeah, thanks no, for having right. me. I, I, always, uh, I always jump at the chance to do these things because... Uh, you know, reach a different audience most of the time and, and nothing bad can come out of it. It's always good reaching out to new people and that sort of thing. 
Absolutely. Right, just before we crack on, mate, could you speak up just a little bit? Because you're coming through a little bit quiet. Yeah, sure, no problem. Is no that better? Shout us. Okay, so um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into reptiles and what do you do? Uh, it's the um, it's the same story as everybody else. When I was a little kid on a camping trip, caught my first snake, convinced my parents to let me keep it as a pet, and and that was about it. It just kind of went astray from there. Um, and where would have that I, been, Dan, as a, as a kid? Where would you have lived, and and what would you have caught? Oh, same area out here in California. It was a a ribbon snake, which is pretty similar to a garter snake and that was the first uh that was my first experience with a reptile and then and then uh, it just kind of grew from there i expected myself to be uh, outgrowing it as i became you know an adult in 17 18 19 i figure without a doubt i would have you know kind of outgrown it because it was always sort of uh everybody around me all the adults around me kind of made it sound like it was a kid's thing a kid's yeah. hobby you'll and, find uh, women in beer and then it will be forgotten yeah yeah which totally. is what I mean, a lot of adults tell you don't they oh yeah yeah for sure and and there are a lot of adults that will tell you that you know oh i had an iguana when i was a kid or i had a tarantula when i was a kid or whatever and um yeah i i did too but you know i have them i have them now as an old guy too so <laughs> now, you've, what you've done is you've completed life so they they had the reptiles and they were like eh, women boobs beer that's great we'll go on to that the actual yeah. complete equation for life is reptiles beer and boobs yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much one happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if, if if you don't have the rest of that equation, I think there's there may be something wrong with you. So it's okay to yeah yeah you have the, the reptiles are okay. It just has to be part part of the ingredients, you know. <laughs> and Dan, growing up in 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 California as a young kid, um, what was it like from a from a reptile side of thing for, with 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 regards to the community? Was there lots of shops to go to or? or you know, over I know, I know over in the UK it was it was totally different to how it is nowadays. Yeah, um, I'm probably older than you guys, so the reptile community was I don't even know if I want to say there was a community because back in those days it you know there was like one really dirty reptile store, like a little <laughs> hole in the wall place, but they had they had you know. <clears throat> all the really cool interesting stuff and people were not connected through the internet or through you know forum groups and boards Absolutely. and all that stuff like yeah we we just you know you pretty much everybody was doing their own thing and uh we would come together um at at an expo here and there or something like that i didn't really learn about expos until i was maybe about 16 years old and then um, I think even at that, they weren't super popular back then even, but as far as a community, if there was one, I wasn't part of it. I was just a weird, a weird young kid <laughs> with reptiles, you know, like it's, there was it's funny you say that, friends. We, we, um, so many reptile keepers and I'll just go back to when you said about sort of like age, you do, you don't realize that I am their surrogate. I am the two Danny's Dan and Hoss, he's surrogate dad. 
So, uh, so I'm probably around about your age, I should imagine. I'm 42. So, okay. <laughs> um, okay. so, but yes, it's, it's quite funny how you said that. That, um, yeah, you didn't have the, the the forums, the groups. The I latched onto somebody that knew loads about reptiles and just grabbed hold of him and like a sponge sucked everything out of him. And, and I suppose that's what you did you know you went round the expos and and or, or you met somebody and just tried to get all the information that you could out of them yeah once i was about 16 or 17 and i had my driver's license and i started going to the expos you know i went i went by myself my parents i had you know siblings weren't into it my parents weren't into it none of my friends were into it i would just go to the expos by myself and i was just that I don't know if I was annoying, but I guess, you know, I was that young, annoying kid with all the questions, but I don't <laughs> think I was that annoying because actually I would roll to those expos with pockets full of money that I would save up. So the questions that were being answered by, um, you know, the senior guys, the real experienced guys, they were making money off me because I was dropping money. But of course, the, what came along with that was... <laughs> you know, asking a lot of questions and advice. And, and back in those days, there were so many more, uh, so much more diversity to, to choose from, you know, there's everything was wall caught. There was tons of imports and all kinds of crazy stuff. And nobody was really categorized, you know, as a, I'm a, I'm a, this breeder, I'm a, that breeder. It wasn't like that back then. It was just, you would just go, go around and, you never knew what you would find or what you would come home wow. with. You know, it was always, uh, everything was always an adventure back in those days. should imagine that would have been quite exciting as well, going around the expos, because, I mean, the expos over here, and we've spoke about it before on the podcast, I mean, you literally, there must be, I would say, 70% Royal Pythons, um, and then you get a couple of other common breeds that are, that are sort of like litter the whole expo. But you you are desperately searching. And I know, Danny, you said the last one we went to, I'm just looking for something a little bit different. It's it's hard to come across it at the moment in the UK. Definitely. It's the same. It's the same here now. Back in those days, way back when, no, it was not like that. It was easy. You would just go from table to table and just go, Oh my gosh, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna get this and I think I'm gonna get that and I don't know anything about it and, and it was way different back then. Now it's very it's very general, it's very mainstream. Um you have to kind of search high and low for something that's out of the ordinary. If you were looking to branch out into something different, then you know, it's it's gonna be slim. Slim to none at your average expo yeah, out here. It's kind absolutely. of slim. there was something you said um earlier about obviously when you were young, you, you were that annoying person, always asking question after question after question. Obviously, you've got quite a large following now yourself. Do you... Um, how can I put this? Obviously, a lot of people are going to be contacting you um, and asking you question after question after question because of the position that you're in now. Do you remember your childhood um, and kind of grit your teeth and, and just ask, you know, answer the questions? Or do you kind of go like, oh, my God, like please leave me alone? And what's your what's your approach with that, and how do you handle that situation? You know what, that, something like that. It just depends on on who you are as a person, and I answer everybody's question. If I know the answer, I'll I'll give you an answer, and if I don't know, I won't make one up 
and give you some made up answer. But yeah, I answer everybody's question and, and, um, but I'm just a real patient person like that. So I don't have any kind of attitude or ego, you know, to go along with, you know, I, I don't feel, I'll be honest with you. I don't feel like I'm any bigger or better than anybody else. So I don't, you know, I'm always learning myself. I'm always trying to stay humble and all that. So I don't bring that attitude into this at all. So I just answer questions. And a lot of times when people do ask me questions, I'm kind of, I'm kind of baffled a little bit, you know, cause it's like, wow, wow. These people like are really looking up to me for, you know, the, the guy to give them a lot of information. Yeah. And so I'm always kind of humbled by that. And I don't ever really, you know, think about it from a, a different perspective. I'm always, I'm always answering tons and tons of questions. That's cool. And I, I think, must, I I think if you're honest. just open and honest, Dan, nobody can knock that, can they? No. Okay. Uh, Mike, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Me a question. To Michael Phelps. Do you feel really oh, yeah. outnumbered right now? I've just looked at the screen and I've got <laughs> Dan, 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 Mike. <laughs> well, you, I was just like, I was just about to say, I know he's genuine to his word and he answers questions because you've obviously messaged him saying, would you come on our podcast? And he's answered it straight away. And then I've just gone, I know why he's asked him. Look, look at this. <laughs> just totally smashing me with the dance. <laughs> right, okay. So moving forward slightly, um, one of our listeners uh, messaging a question, um, and I hope the answer is yes to this personally. But, um, but Liam Seville or Seville, whatever the hell his surname is, um, has asked um, if you're setting up any form of shipping to the UK, or have you ever thought about doing that? I I get asked that question a lot, and right now I'm bringing in animals um, for the U.S. market, and there's really not a whole lot of surplus beyond the U.S. market. Um, the, my biggest hurdle is finding the time to do an export. I have, you know, I have another job, a regular full-time job, and so for me to actually arrange an export i need to take days off from my other job so i can go get veterinary health certificates do the inspections and arrange all these things and for me my problem is time and, See, and a lot of people out there they don't realize that you actually have a real-time job you mean you know we, we get oh you only do podcasts once a week but yeah i've got an actual serious job that keeps the roof over my head that i have to sure. do and, and it's exactly the same for you you know people all sure. watch the videos and go well can't you just do this and do that but actually you can't because you've got so many other things to 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 think about and do yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked at what I am able to accomplish as I juggle all these different things that I have going on. And yeah, I mean, even, even the YouTube channel, I mean, I don't drop tons of content, but even that takes a lot of time. I don't have a team of, you know, camera people and editors and, and all this stuff. It's a lot of work and that's just one small part of it. You know, I need yeah. to, I just dropped a video just this morning, you know, here at our time, and and it kind of showed a bit of what we do you every went, single weekend shopping. as far as, 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as far as animal maintenance and feeding and all that, and then, you know, I'm sitting around on the couch waiting for you guys to call, and then as soon as I'm done here, I got to start photographing some animals because customers are waiting, you know, for for some photos so we can close yeah. some some deals and you know just it's non-stop <laughs> it's non-stop <laughs> and so dan you, you you speak about like sort of like what you're doing at home and that but you're also away quite a lot as well so you do spend quite a little bit of time uh, um away don't you? you you go over and to indonesia and visit some of these wild farms and, and whatnot sure um, yeah yeah we we go at least twice a year we try to get out of here um and we try to try to have some vacation, but we're, you know, we're doing a lot of things overseas too. So, you know, at least twice a, a year, we're getting away. Although it may, right. it right. may look like we're, we're traveling yeah. all the time, but you know, so you not. have, <laughs> you, you, you call getting away from California a vacation. <laughs> like yeah. us, 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 um, us average folk would call California a vacation. <laughs> Thing you say, yeah. Danny. I can't understand why you'd want to get yeah. away from no, there. Danny, you, you find leaving Norfolk to come to Birmingham a bloody vacation? I literally leave. I literally leave Kings Lynn, and I'm on. Yeah, I'm on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear, I dear. Right, okay, so that's yeah, good. What um, obviously you you do a lot of imports into America and you keep a lot of animals yourself. Um, what made you start DM Exotics and start pushing it out um, as almost a brand? Um, what made you start to do that and why? Um, the brand thing just kind of happened by by accident. Um, but the, where DM Exotics came from, where it started, started um, in 1996. And I, was, I had some jungle. I was five years old, just to let you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I I kind of overproduced carpet pythons back in that you know back then. Right now, over you know I think everybody's overproducing carpet pythons right now. But back in those days, carpet pythons were you know not not quite as uh, numerous as they are now. And so I produced a lot in one season, and I needed an outlet. Uh, you know, to, to sell them, to move them on. And so I tagged along with a buddy and did an expo alongside him. And I, absor- I kind of absorbed like a sponge how to, you know, uh, participate in the expo and vend and do all that stuff. And then the very next year, I was, uh, I was doing it by myself. And of course, in order to attend an expo, at least here anyway, you have to have a business license you have to be you know you have to present a resale license to the show promoter to actually be a vendor in there so you know you pay your taxes and everything is on the up and up so yeah um yeah so i so i became dm exotics at that point and and it just kind of rolled along from there and you know once the internet started um you know became a thing and I was one of the first guys to have an actual website. And then from there, it just kind of grew. And I started watching, you know, YouTube grow and grow. And I was very dissatisfied by what I was seeing on YouTube because it was all royal pythons, as you say, and reticulated mm-hmm. pythons. And it was leopard geckos. It was the same, same stuff over and over and over again. And I'm over here doing 
completely different things. And I thought, it's my time. It like like this is it. I need to jump in here and kind of wave my hands around and go, oh, hold on. There's hey, way guys, more. Hey, guys, here's some, yeah, yeah. hey, guys, here's some cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I, can I yeah. just yeah, thank you're... you? Can I thank you as well for referring them to as Royal Pythons and not oh, Ball just, Pythons? Yes. Yeah, oh, I did that for you. That I, did that I don't know when it's team. lovely to hear an, Give him an a American say <laughs> Royal Pythons. Right, so your, your, next, yeah. your next challenge, Dan, is to make every American drop Ball Python. <laughs> that, that, that's your next challenge. I would do a I would do a video, but I don't have any. <laughs> yeah, so I just you know I felt I felt like um, like everybody was drinking from the same Kool Aid, like we say here, yeah. where it was just like it was just being force fed and spoon fed to everybody, new hobbyists, old hobbyists. Everybody was jumping on this bandwagon, and I was just like, whoa hold on a second, you know? And so anyway, so I pushed it out there and I started episode one, two, three, four, and I just started moving through all these really obscure animals. As I say, I use that word a lot, obscure. And I just started highlighting all these different species. And before I knew it, the timing was just perfect because the, the market over here reached like maximum saturation People started, you know, the prices with the the morphs and all these market adjustments and all these things with the with the values started to take a dive, and then mm -hmm. people started scrambling for something else to do, and so I what was, was already that? there. What was that done? So, you know, obviously you didn't go down that route, but you wanted to do something different, and you was working with all these animals. What were they, bud? Oh, you mean all throughout all those years? Well, no, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, you, you've worked with loads of animals, but what animals did you want to push? You want, you were doing things differently, and, and that's what we like. Uh, what animals right. were we t are we talking about? Oh, it was boiga, all kinds of rear fang stuff, the keeled rat snakes. Um, I was doing a lot of colubrid stuff. Uh, green tree pythons, just all this stuff that that just never made it mainstream. So I yeah. was just highlighting all these things, and I was just like, you know, I go out into my snake room and look around, and I'm thinking, I've never wow. seen anything. I've never seen that on YouTube. I've never nah. seen that on YouTube. You know, and I just thought, wait a second, there's, there's this. This is perfect. This is perfect. Yeah, there's something missing. There's something it. missing, and then you took the you took the shot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's that's really refreshing, to be fair, because um, you know, it has it has been a huge problem here as well. Well, not necessarily a problem, but it's a huge thing here. You know, royals, royals, cresties, leos, and retics. You know, they're so common, like at the expos and stuff like that. They really are, and it's they're so overproduced, and the market is so saturated here. It really, really is. Um, it ha it has become a problem, to be fair. So yeah, um, yeah. So, go on. I was gonna say, you know, when I when I hear people that they, I, I want to say like they they kind of adjust the way they talk about royals, say for example, to me, because they think that I'm I want to hear them bash that species or whatever, and you know, 
I'll be the first to say that the industry benefited greatly by that whole craze of the Royal Pythons mm-hmm. because, you know, like out here we have Freedom Breeder. We have all these different uh, rack manufacturers and it generated so much income that mm-hmm. the money went back into the industry and yep. it really it really blew up a lot. And so mm-hmm. we benefited a lot by so much money coming mm-hmm. into the reptile industry and for the people that kind of stuck it out, you know, they, they're still there and they've diversified. And so mm-hmm. a lot of those designs and a lot of that, a lot of that creativity is now benefiting everybody, regardless of what animals you're working with. So I see a huge benefit to that. It's just that that whole Ponzi scheme, that whole morph thing, the market values and all that stuff where, you know, one season the guy's selling you something for $5,000 and the next season it's 2000 and the poor guy that jumped in first is upset because, you know what I mean? And like the whole market yeah. thing, that that whole side of it is a, that's a whole bizarre thing. We had, but, it, it, it was the same, it was the same here. Like, as you say, the, the whole craze did absolute wonders for the hobby. It really did. And and any craze sure. here, here does does want wonders. You know, it, it, it generates a lot of money and it generates a lot of interest um, to new keepers and stuff like that. Especially when you, especially when a lot of the the popular species that are being overbred are such uh, great animals to keep as a, as a first as a first time keeper. Um, like yes. your royals and your cresties and your your leopard geckos and stuff like that, they're, they're great animals to keep as a first, you know, as a first pet. Um, but yeah, it, it's the same thing has happened here. It, it did generate huge, um, you know, positive points and positive things, um, but it, it hit a plateau, um, and then it went above it, and it got out of control. It spiraled and stuff, you know. So it's it sort of almost took a step backwards, you know. And now we're sure. seeing a lot of those animals in rescues, um, and you know, sort of ill ill treated and stuff like that, you know. So it's it's worth it's certainly worth looking at those those points in the hobby and thinking, come on, guys, you know, where does this end? And there's another you know what there's I mean? another it, thing to look at that as well, Danny. Is you know when I look at sort of like John Campbell's collection and some yeah. of the phenomenal snakes that he's got. And Mm -hmm. some of them are tiny. But Mm -hmm. if you haven't got much room, you can still have just as much much fun with, with, with with, you know, when you haven't got room and and you can get some of these tiny snakes into that, you know, into an enclosure and and, and not have to worry about having massive big enclosures, this, that and the other. You know, some of of these snakes are absolutely phenomenal, aren't they? For Dan's mm. benefits, obviously, I don't think he'd know who John Campbell is because he's a UK keeper. Um, yeah. He keeps a lot of um, Nitrix uh, garter snakes and that kind of thing. Trinket snake. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, moving it forward just a little bit, what are you currently working with at the moment in your collection? I'm, I'm going to answer that in one second, but I want to get. I just wanted to say something. So the ball pythons. Okay, fine. It's 
It's sorry, it's Royal, it's Royal Python. <laughs> oh, sorry. I did it. Oh, man, I did it. I mean, we slipped. We slipped. Sorry. Uh, Dan, sorry. I know you're big, but um, I'm going to put you right there. Ready to Royal okay. Python. <laughs> okay, got you, got you. Okay, so, so Royal Pythons, right? Saturated, yes. Oh, there's a ton out there. Average clutch size, six eggs, right? And so, mm-hmm. and they're small. What is going to happen in the future with all of these retics. Now, I don't know what it's like over there in the UK, but here we have tons of retic breeders, 40 yeah, eggs, 50 eggs, mm-hmm. big snakes, yeah, it's the same. very yeah. prolific. They don't fit in in little tubs. I mean, where's all that stuff gonna go? I, I yep. can't even, I mean, I'm, I'm, I try to wrap my head around it and well, I'm oh, <laughs> literally, literally just before you come on, we were, we were talking about um, a couple of friends of ours, Joanna and Jez um, who run a rescue for um, large species. So they see a lot of um, retics and uh, Burmese and stuff like that. Anacondas. Yeah. All sorts and carpets, you know, big, the bigger species of carpets, you know, bread right. and stuff like that. And yeah, they're seeing a lot. And it's it, it it's a burden. That's what it is. Right. It's a burden on the hobby. It really is, and on rescue centres. Um, I mean, of course, you know, you know, that's what they're there to do. Of course, but in the grand scheme of things, they don't really want to see any animals come into their rescue. Right. I'm right. sure they'd all stand up tall and say, I mean, "Actually, we want you to keep your animals." Yeah. You know, I mean, right. people buy a reticular... is huge, isn't it? They absolutely, yeah, absolutely. adore them. Oh, they, they absolutely love them. them. Enclosures are the right size. Is this that and the yeah. other? But yeah, they but too they... often. Too often it happens. You know, you, you walk into a, a pet store, you know, a reptile shop or something like that, and this definitely doesn't go for all shops because there are some fantastic shops here. Um, but there are the choice few shopkeepers that are, are just after making a sale. So they'll say, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll sell this reticulate python in a two, three foot tank, um, like to you, maybe like a 40 gallon tank or something like that. Um, right. And, you know, it'll be great. They won't tell them that it's going to hit 18 foot long. You know, they won't, they're, right. not going to tell, they're not going to tell you that this thing's going to weigh 60 kilos when it's, when it's an adult. It's going right. to be huge, you know, uh, you know, as wide right. as you, as wide as one of the biggest legs you can think of, sure. <laughs> you know, and as soon as yeah. they start hitting that sort of size, they're like, most keepers are like, wow, I, I can't handle this. I, you know, even if I could, how, how often, how often is that, that going to happen? Once a year? Yeah, Who's got yeah. the space to let a, let a 16 to 18 foot reticulated python run around their kitchen? No one's got big, that kind yeah. of space. The biggest one I've seen, I mean, Steve Dawson, he's got some absolute monsters, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. I think they're touching just under 22 foot. But yeah, he's a, a six foot eight guy. <laughs> yeah, that he, can, he makes that Dan can... look small. And that, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He makes you look it's small, mate. Tape, built like a brick shit house. Um, <laughs> but he, you know, even he said, you know, I struggle to to. to yeah, to they are a struggle. Them, um, They're massive animals. Yeah. So yeah, in in a, in a nutshell, Dan, you, you know, our our the the current climate here is is very very similar to yours, perhaps much on a much smaller scale, but. You know, in a much smaller hobby in a much smaller country, yeah, it's it's definitely a problem. Definitely a problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But 
But anyway, to answer your question, like um, in regards to what I'm working with now, I've been downsizing my projects little by little every year, trying to um, make my life a little bit easier because there's always, there's never a shortage of animals here. So, you know, there's never the, never a lack of, of things to, uh, you know, stare at and, and mess with and that. So um, I was trying to maintain a lot of different projects and Boiga and Drymarcon and all sorts of things. And most nice. of those animals I've cut out of my, my project lineup. Um, and so now I just, uh, Spilotes, green tree pythons, uh, the Pataeus carnata, and I have one pair of black white lip pythons, one pair of dwarf retics, Kalatoa retics. They're only five feet. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, and that's that's just about it. Um, there's a lot of animals that are coming through here all the time. Uh, there's gravid animals coming through here often as well. And then I've set up my my partner in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, I've set him up with some breeding of some boiga and different kumuvid projects there. So in a way I sort of, uh, farmed out my, some of my breeding projects. You know, I, I was, I discontinued a lot of boiga breeding here because he's doing it over there for me. And mm -hmm. so I get a lot of the offspring. Well, I get all the offspring that come out of his facility. It all wow. comes to do me. You, so. Do you find, do you find each other, um, sort of uh, uh sort of swapping an animal swapping in and out animals that may um sell or be of more interest in your specific area uh i think so i think so i mean it, I, I ship domestic domestically often here in the u.s as well so um because i can reach you know, all the different states, except for just a couple that might have some regulations against like rear fang, for example, mm -hmm. I can, I can get, I can get animals to pretty much anywhere in the U S where it's yeah. legal. And so it opens up my market big enough to where I have absolutely no problem moving those animals. It's yeah. not, it's not anything that's ever going to be mass produced anyway. So it'll never be you know, a problem. I don't think it'll ever reach like a market saturation or anything like that. And if it ever does, no. it's real easy for me to, to tell, you know, my partner in Kuala Lumpur and just say, Hey, Look, you know this, what? This, we need to my stop, my yeah. market. Yeah. My market's saturated over here. So go ahead and start fulfilling, um, you know, the, the need for those animals elsewhere. So those yeah. animals will start heading to, you know, I don't know, UK, Poland, yeah. Yeah. Japan, where, wherever they're, you know, I know a lot of people want that stuff. Netherlands is a big one, you know, all those guys, that's they all a, want that stuff. So. Yeah, that's actually a fantastic way of doing it. You know, being able to um, realize when the, the market is becoming slightly saturated and thinking, right, that's it, halt. It's not about the money. You know, it's not all about the money. Let's, let's, let's pack it up there, you know, move these animals to a different place or at least just stop breeding them, you know. And it yeah. keeps things fresh as well in the hobby, you know, because it, you do become sick and tired of seeing royals everywhere. Right. You know, I mean, at any one point, at any, at any of the expos in, in the UK, let's take, you know, Doncaster, for instance, you, you will see hundreds, at, you know, if there's 500 snakes at Doncaster, 400 of them are royals. Or yeah. you know and and that is i'm not over exaggerating you know that's just how it is and and 
It's crazy because, I mean, I go there and I'm literally beelining for the stores that have something different, anything different. I can't go to Doncaster anymore with something in mind because it's probably not going to be there. I just have to go there and hope that there's something nice that I I might want, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You literally float around each stand, don't you, Danny, going, right? Yeah. You know, if if I see a stand, I'll be totally honest. Yeah, if I see a stand that's got royals on it, I'm going to be honest, I just walk past it. I don't even bother, if I'm honest, because they're all the same. You know, you can throw as many morphs at me as you want. It's just they're all the same. They really are. Yeah. <laughs> With the hobby as well, it's there's, there's something for everyone. You know, if you are into your big constrictor, they're there. If Absolutely. You're, if you're yeah. into your boiga or your colubrids or, you know, it is there. And you know, if you're yeah. into morphs, unfortunately, the expos tend to be more based around morphs because it's more yeah. popular. Um, but you know, if you want something, then obviously you you, you don't go to a UK expo looking for this specific thing. You have to source it no. from elsewhere, which no, is a shame because it would be nice to see it. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm really, I, I'm I really after. Sorry, go on, Danny. You carry on. Yeah, no, I was going to. I was just going to point out that you know, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I do love royals. I do. I, you know, I don't dislike them. I just dislike the the situation that it's that the whole thing's become. You know. Um, and and I, I, I agree with Hoss, they should be there. Retic should be there. Leo should be there. Cresties and everything, all that, they should all be there. But it would be nice to see a bit more of diversity, you know, because you only ever mm-hmm. get three or four stands, you know, that have something different on. I'll, I'll walk around um, Doncaster and I usually have someone like John Campbell walk up to me, Danny, how you doing? Have you seen the, uh, have you seen the rough greens over on that table? No, see ya. And I'm yeah. gone. You know, because yeah. what? That's a that's a chance in a lifetime. Yeah, I'm going to go and have a look at them. You know, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Don't please, don't take it the wrong way. I love royals. I love I love all snakes. But it's the situation that has been created by Definitely. the oversaturation of the market that that drives me absolutely insane. Definitely. Okay, so obviously you've been importing animals for a, num- a numerous amount of years now, Dan. Um, is there anything that you've picked up over the years or any tips and tricks that you could give our listeners to perhaps acclimatise wild-caught animals better? Yeah, there's a couple things that I that I learned early on. And uh, the first thing is don't mess with them. Uh, as soon as they come in, you, you do what you need to do as far as, you know, if they need soaking or hydration or whatever, and put them away and leave them alone. Um, don't. Don't try to make them Instagram stars, you know, <laughs> the, the the first five minutes that they came out of the bag or whatever. Like, just put them away and leave them alone, you know, and they need to de-stress. Everything, everything that they've gone through is very stressful. Give them all the basic things that they need. And, and the one thing that I see most people doing is treating for parasites um, right away. Like, I mean, of course, external parasites, that's easy. They just, you put them into cages that have been treated, you know, for, for, for mites. And then they're, they're being eradicated just by them being left alone and sitting in there. That's easy. And, and, but I know a lot of people, they're jamming meds through tubes down, down their throats. As soon as they're coming out of bags, it's like, okay, we're going to probe it. Mark this, mark the gender. All right. Tube goes down the throat, slam a bunch of meds down its throat. All right. Now put it away, mark the box and move on. And it's like, man, really? 
Like, what? Mm-hmm. why did you do that? You guys are, you know, and then the mortality rates are very high. So the way I do things is I put them away. They, they get treated for external. And I offer food within, you know, a few days, depending on what it is, a couple days to seven days later, whatever. I start offering food. And, and my biggest thing is getting them to feed. And um, by leaving them alone and giving them hides and, and all the proper stuff, and then you get them to eat. And once you've gotten them to eat, you know that the stress is gone, or at least mm-hmm. it's low enough to where they're going to feed. Um, the animal is acting normal. Your temperatures are right because it's taken that first meal. And then mm-hmm. maybe a second meal, and then the third meal is a really good time to introduce some meds, just a, like a, a broad spectrum um, array of medicine that should clear most things. And then, and then the animal's usually good to go. And I do it in food. I don't, I don't tube it. I just, you know, I'll, I'll introduce the meds into a prey item and then the animal usually will get, you know, will eat and get treated without knowing it. And there's no stress involved in that. And then I may get around to sexing something like if it, if I can't do it visually and I need to, to do a, you know, probe it or whatever, I'm not doing that until after it's been three or four weeks, you know, mm-hmm. because that, even that's a stressful thing. And I don't want to, I don't want an animal that took say like two consecutive meals, three consecutive meals. And then now I got to wrestle with it to get, to get it probed. You know, maybe it's a bigger animal. Yeah. It's a two person job and it's squirming and it's, it's peeing all over and it's freaking out or whatever. <laughs> and then now maybe, now maybe I just threw that animal for a loop to the point where it may not take its next meal because mm-hmm. I just created a bunch of stress. And so for me, I'm, I, I'm all about giving these animals privacy and dark and quiet and, and just getting rid of stress. That's the main thing, you, you know, you don't want it That's to go into that, some, yeah, yeah you don't want it to be into like some heavily trafficked area, you know, bright lights and all this kind of stuff. It's like, just put it away and let it just, just let it chill, you know, let it let relax. It, let it adjust. Yeah. Thing. Let it adjust to captivity basically. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. you're talking about that, but I know there's some animals, um, especially snakes that some people say some um, captive bred snakes are quite aggressive, but the wild caught ones seem to be quite calm and docile. You're on about papoon pythons. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm on about. And I know that Dan's had a lot of, done a lot of work with them in the past. Um, how do you explain that? Mate? Why, why they wild caught seem to be so placid, but then the captive bred ones seem to, to not be so. I don't know. I've, I've noticed that too. Um, it could be that, uh, the captive stuff is, is, is boxed up in a cage and all the little tiny things to that animal are major. It's such a big deal. You know, it's sitting in this, in this box and everything's quiet until here comes that, that loud or that strong vibration of the glass opening for a water bowl change or something. And it's like, mm-hmm. just throws the animal for a loop. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, the wild caught but... stuff is out there. It's, it's cruising, you know, coming across all sorts of different things, lots of stimuli, stimuli, you know, external stimuli, whether it's yeah. rainstorms, you know, pouring rain or, 
or wind or predators or whatever it may be, the animal might just be more used to a lot of, um, you know, external activity and things going on. It could be something along those lines, but I really have no idea. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how that happens, though? And a lot of people will think, oh, wild caught caught stuff is going to freak out more than your captive bred stuff, but that's not the case. I've got the exact same thing with, uh, I've got a pair of um, Albertese, the gold phase white lips, and the the female is captive bred, and she's uh, she's horrible. Um, You can't get anywhere (laughs) near her. She's just just violent. There's no other word. Um, Yet the wild caught male is as tame as anything. Um, you know, there's no problems. He's a little bit viv defensive, but again, once he's out of the viv, you can hold him. He's never struck out at me. Yeah, now this apparent captive bred animal, which has been handled, I quote, handled uh, by the previous owner, um, it, it, it's never been handled. It's, um, it's just been left to it. And I can kind of see where you're coming from. Maybe that captive bred animal, you know, especially with the white lip, people are a little bit nervous maybe to handle them because of the species that they are known for being very flighty and very bitey. Um, sure. So, you know, they're given that, that space um, and they don't get that interaction. And, you know, um, I can kind of see where you're coming with that as well. Uh, so Yeah, even even in the wild, though, you know, I've I've come across a fair amount of diversity in the wild. And most of those animals have been really cool, really, really relaxed. Green tree pythons scrub python viper boas like a lot of things that are are notorious for being you know super crazy and they've been they've been pretty 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 good even retics um you know a lot of the retics you know they may have a have a go at you or whatever but um for the most part the ones that i've kind of come across in the wild have been pretty pretty okay it's amazing isn't it yeah. Okay, so obviously you keep a, an array of different animals, um, but what traditionally do you keep your animals in and what kind of setups are you using? Um, because of the volume, I do use a lot of racks and a lot of uh, plastic boxes and bins, but um, I have a, at, at my disposal, at my disposal, I have a lot of different sizes and I have like an entire wall of you know, really big bins, which can accommodate some, some big animals. And then, and then it, it moves up into, uh, you know, melamine and with glass, like glass fronted wood cages and that sort of thing. But, um, in my office, I have some bigger, bigger vivariums, you know, that are, um, more heavily decorated and more spacious and that sort of thing. And usually I reserve those cages for animals that are going to be with me for, you know, a much longer period of time. Definitely. And what kind of substrates do you use as well for your bedding? Uh, here in the U.S., I prefer uh, cypress mulch, um, but unfortunately for me on the West Coast, the cypress is an East Coast wood, so it's very difficult for me to buy uh, in bulk any kind of like cypress type material. So lately, I've been using the um, the compressed uh, coconut chips and coconut, um, husk. you know, the cocoa fiber. Yeah, the, yeah, the husk. Yeah. Hey, yeah, how are you it, getting on with that? Because I'm considering changing over to that kind of product at the moment. Oh, I you like, use that was. I like it because uh, the price. 
because one one little compressed cube expands to be quite a lot. Um, and I like to mix it with the cypress. I like to mix those two substrates together. That's actually my preferred uh, substrate at the moment. Because the, well, it's quite good that you said that, because a lot of um, our listeners won't realize that they'll go, oh, we need this substrate. <laughs> Excuse me, but it's still okay to mix your substrates. Uh, I do it without any worry whatsoever. I like it because the, like the, the cocoa husk chips, which is like a bigger grade. Um, it's, there's a lot of little, little voids in there when you pack Like it doesn't pack in there very densely, which I don't want a substrate to be very dense because most of the animals actually do like to get down and burrow through in that. So I like to mix it with the cypress because the cypress is more finely uh, ground up and it's a slightly heavier. So when I mix it together, it just seems like the perfect blend that mm -hmm. kind of mimics, mimics what I see in the wild and the animals seem to like it better because it's, it's not like a, a, ver a real fluffy lightweight no, substrate. <clears throat> so when I mix it, it just seems to be like the perfect perfect match it's just it's it is good for it me. is it is a good mix because you have the um the the coconut husk t tends to come as you say in larger in larger clumps so it does create its own voids yes. whereas the, whereas the the finer stuff tends to hold the burrows a little bit better so yes. they, they you know they can find these little burrows and make a slightly bigger space and then it will it will hold as a, as a whole so you know they they can use it you know, time and time again, you know, and, and create their own little safe spaces, which, yes, which, which I, which I use a lot. I, I, you know, I try to replicate that a lot in my tanks. You know, I have a lot of snakes that will, um, create little crevices and little tunnel systems and networks and stuff like that. And they absolutely love it. You know, it's, it's great for stress. It's great for, um, hides and, and, and keeping moisture and stuff like that. If they, if they need a little bit, um, more moisture during a shed period or something like that, they can use one of them little tunnels and, you know, I'll lose a snake for a week. It'll come out and it's, it's shedding, you know, they're, yeah. they're great for that. Really, really good for that. Yeah. It is. yeah and it doesn't, and it doesn't mold out either. So you can, mm. you can really be generous with the water, like during mm -hmm. the period of time that the animals in, in a shed cycle and you yeah. can really make it wet and it, and it doesn't tend to mold out some of the other woods. I don't know what the differences are in the property of the wood, but some of the other wood substrates, it gets wet, and then real quickly thereafter, here comes the mold. And then you have to throw yeah. it away and replace it. But, you know, I, I like a substrate no, I do that's going to last. Yeah, no, I do find coconut in general has really good antibacterial properties. Yes. Um, I've used coconut for a, for a long time. You know, I've got, I've got boxes and boxes of the compressed blocks here. Uh, sure. Of the, of the coconut uh, fiber, like the, the 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 smaller stuff. Right. And I've used it. I've used it for years. I've used it for. Boxes and boxes of these stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I own I own a reptile food company, and I open all this at wholesale. Yeah. Um, so that would be quite welcome. interesting to hear because obviously in the UK we're all about heating animals and trying to keep up the heating all the time you know i'm sitting in the room at the moment i've got a, a t5 in each vivarium i've got a 100 watt heat bulb and i've also got a rather large radiator trying to keep this room warm um because obviously england's very cold but living in california i'm guessing you don't have any of those issues at all so 
What kind of heating and cooling methods do you use in your vivariums and your snake rooms in, them, in themselves? Uh, everything. I don't. I don't heat the rooms at all. The rooms <clears throat> are are very well insulated, and um, everything's controlled by thermostats. And everything pretty much has bottom heat. And so, because everything is controlled by thermostat, and and there's bottom heat in all the racks and all the cages the room finds its own ambient almost almost mimicking where those thermosets are set at and then um i usually will program a night drop you know of like a like a 10 degree night drop or something for 8 or 12 hours depending on what i feel may be right at the time or whatever and then it just it works out real good we do get cold here i mean it doesn't get cold enough to snow but it 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 does reach freezing I mean, here just get um, down to 20 degrees sometimes guys look look all, all i'm gonna say is i didn't bring a coat down my my reptile room or the building is at the bottom of the garden i've got a really long cold walk <laughs> back to the house after this podcast and um, <laughs> like when i say cold i'm looking outside and it, it's frosty um, hey, my, my, my best mate lives in Orange County over in California and okay. he, he comes over here at Christmas and he just he just goes oh, I've just come back it's 80 degrees over there it's, yeah. and I'm going it's and it's <laughs> yeah it's freezing I'm like what <laughs> he loves it over there though I'm, I'm sure I would as well to be honest um, okay, so, something I do want to talk on and it's possibly a little bit of advice for ourselves as well so today we've launched our first ever YouTube video and we get a lot of people um, ask us about how they can go about setting up a Facebook page or how they can set up their own podcast. And our kind of attitude is the more the merrier. As long as, long as you're putting out really good, positive con- content, which is good for the hobby, crack on, do what you want. Yeah, um, and we'll support anyone you know, and, and push them as well because that's what it's all about for us. It's all about being part of a community. Just don't take yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the ugly one, mate. I can't take over on YouTube. And have you got any advice on for us or for any of our listeners on how they can go about building themselves a a social networking um, empire? Perhaps that might be the right word. Well, I am far from an empire, but I will give you my personal opinion on kind of how it works. The bigger jackass you are the more popular you are going to become. Um, <laughs> We're going to be yeah. the biggest then. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I can name people, one. <laughs> that, yeah, pe- people love to watch other people be jackasses. And that's that's what wins when, when you want to have an empire, I guess, so to speak. But um, for me, it's just very important to be honest, be true to yourself, put out good content, put out stuff that's going to give, provide value, even if it's not to your entire audience. But as long as somebody can walk away from something and get something out of it and you're not a jackass at the end of the day, for me, like that's the most important thing. You know, 
I'm I'm 48 years old, and so I'm you know I'm getting up there. I got a lot of years behind me with all this reptile stuff, and it would really be great to be remembered, you know, for for providing value as opposed to being a jackass. And so, like, that's pretty much what, like where I'm coming from. And I because here, that is done honestly. Yeah. Well, and because I take that hardline stance, I probably will never have any sort of social media empire but i didn't start it to create an empire i just started it to just share some knowledge and i i I think things will change though and i I know what you're saying i watch some of the kids my kids watch some of the dummy stuff on youtube and i can't believe it gets the ratings it gets and these Mm -hmm. people are getting millions and millions of pounds a year to do it but stick with what you're doing dan because there is people out there that stumble across your youtube channel and go wow and i found it really interesting and i followed it for a while and 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 so I, i know all three of us have and if you stick and if you stick true to your word and you're honest and open and you and you're providing information then nobody can turn around and go that guy was a fraud do you know what i mean you you you're doing what you're doing and i think that's brilliant yeah it's better to have a smaller but loyal and um appreciative fan base than an absolutely huge one but you've got famous because i'm all gonna know who i'm talking about now um but Mm -hmm. all getting famous because you're allowing x insert species bite you um or whatever you know it's uh, it's the wrong attitude it's not it's not promoting a positive approach to the hobby you know i don't know about you guys but in in the uk we suffer quite heavily with all these anti-exotic peoples or you know animal welfare people who are constantly trying to you know shut down our our expos and make things every you know really difficult so a lot of the pet shops in but all of the pet shops in the uk have now had a new regulation which means they have to have certain enclosure sizes, and it's almost made certain species just not being able to be sold in pet shops. Okay, that that mm-hmm. does help that reticulated python and that berm crisis, um, but in in effect as well, you know, it's it, it's there's a lot of other species that are really cool that aren't worked with, like the papuan carpet pythons or the olive pythons, that n- now need absolutely ridiculous enclosure sizes. You know, well, which is quite literally a small room. Right. Um, it, it's mad um, it's, uh, I don't know if, if you guys have much of a problem with antis and that kind of thing but over here it is quite a big concern at the moment yeah here um, I mean they are here but they don't they don't really show themselves too often and they they certainly haven't uh, come at us here with uh, all the cage requirements and things like you guys have um, and a lot of that stuff is good too. I mean, cause I, you know, there's a lot of really popular people that are jamming really, really big snakes into some yeah, super tiny little boxes yeah, and, and nobody right. sees it. No one sees it. They don't show it, but I know what's going on, you know, and that might mm-hmm. be part of the reason why they're, the market saturation isn't where it's at. Cause maybe those animals aren't, aren't living very long being crammed up into you know, all these little tiny boxes in the places where you don't see, I have no idea. But um, luckily for us, though, um, California is a very strict state when it comes to 
many, many different things. But for some reason, the reptile regulations here in the in California are not as strict as some of the other places that are much more lenient when it comes to other things, other types of ownership of things. So um, it, it's it's not too bad. And I was always very, very concerned about showing bites and all those sorts of things. And, you know, I had I had a couple of the biggest YouTubers out there right now who do have empires, you know, where I would I would make, you know, I would talk to them or make a comment or something on social media and say, I don't show any of those bites, man. I, I, I delete all those videos if it happens because I don't want to start, you know, any kind of things like the, the things that you guys are talking about and yeah. are concerned about. And then, you know, I've been told, ah, those animal rights people, they're not, they're not going through YouTube videos looking for, yeah, for ammunition. Cool. Yeah. And, and, and now those people do that almost exclusively for views and for shock value. And, yeah. and it's like, oh my gosh, you guys have, you know, it, maybe it hasn't happened yet, but you guys really turned your back on this stuff, you know? I mean, yeah, don't, man, don't it's, be that it's guy. crazy. It was yeah, funny, it's like, funny you saying that, Dan, because on our last podcast, we were in, in Agony Danny, it's one of our features, where Dan, basically, Danny moans about stuff that he's seen on, on, on Facebook or social media. Sure. Sure. And um and there was a there was a woman and she was basically getting her snakes to bite her and then show the most effective ways um to stop the or to, to get the snake off you. Wow. And, and and we was like, You really getting your snake that stressed where it has to bite you to to to, to tell Pete to try and show people how to get them off you. So why do and, and, and Danny was and, absolutely right. Just you can just talk somebody you know, through that. You, you know that's got worse as well. Um so today I was actually scrolling through Facebook and the Reptile Report have shared that. Um, yeah, that's, which I was quite that's, disappointed about. Yeah, that's <clears throat> and 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 it and it takes you back to what Dan was saying. Um you've got to be a jackass to get likes to get clickbait. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, that post got thousands of shares. You oh know, yeah! What of course, the hell? Of I mean, yeah. all she did, all she did, was put her animals through stress. That's all she's yeah. done. And in my opinion, that's that's not right. That isn't. That's not right. That's not how you keep your animals. If you get bitten, you get bitten. But you don't intentionally go around getting bitten to show people, you know, what it's like and stuff like that. That's not. If it happens, it happens. Fair enough. And it does. Yeah. It does happen. And if it happens, you, know, and you don't. On camera, you don't have then to, that's fine. But yeah, that no, is fine. You know, them onto you to, exactly. To get that, I mean, get that bite. Exactly, in in a way, you, you you know, you don't need to delete those videos. Really, put them up. You know, it happens. It's just life. It's life with reptiles. You know, don't people ask me so many it. times. People people ask me so many. Do you ever get bitten by your snakes? What? Of course I do. They're snakes. What a yeah. stupid question. Of course I get bitten. You know, but. I'm not going to scream and shout about it. It's just, it just comes with it. It's part and parcel. It's about as normal as picking up their shit. Do you know what yeah, I mean? It's, yeah, not, right. it's not a big deal. Why you put, you've put up that video. You've intentionally made your snakes bite you and stress them out. And then you've rammed fucking vodka solution down their throat to make them stop, to make them let go. You're a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry for swearing I, it so much, but you are, you're an idiot. I hate people <laughs> like that. I hate, I hate people like that. Come at God. me. I hate, I hate them. <laughs> I had a video that I that I put out um, just 
I think it was a week ago or two weeks ago where I was holding two of my Spilotes and one of them became irritated with me for no reason and, and got me twice in this on my cheek on my face mm-hmm. and uh and it, it was it, i found it so funny that it happened because it was really weird because <laughs> when you go back and watch the video you can see the snake it was like it turned at me while i was talking to the camera <laughs> and you could just see it like all of a sudden and those snakes almost never try to do that and mm-hmm. and it, it just looked at me and it kind of like went will you please shut up? And it, and it just got more irritated as the video went along and it, it got me right in the face. And have, then I, have you, I talked you. to it. Have and, you named that snake? No. You need to call it, you need to call it the bullshit detector. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> but I was yeah. really hesitant to even use any of that footage for my video. But when I went back and reviewed it, you can tell that it's genuine. It wasn't yeah. staged. It just happened. Exactly. And it was actually really funny because in, yeah, in the video, I was laughing at it. And so I was like, okay, this one is okay. But I was a little bit fearful of any kind of backlash from any of my audience, my followers. And not mm-hmm. one person said anything bad. It wasn't clickbaity, no, nothing. And I was like, okay, cool. You do have to worry, Dan. I mean, me and Hoss put a little, little video God. up early, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was just off something that uh, Morelia Python Radio said, that, that obviously they're coming over to UK Carpet Fest. Yeah, UK Carpet Fest. And yeah. uh, we, was, um, we just got the snakes out. I was pretending to do squats, and Hoss was pretending to arm curls with one, literally hardly moving the snake. But within right. seconds, you get some numpty going, this is disgusting the way you're throwing them animals around that room. Yeah. And it's like, hang yeah. on a minute, look, they're, 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 not, even be, they're not even moving. Yeah, I think they're, they're moving less than when we get them out the tank. I can kind of yeah. understand perhaps the, the negativity on it, maybe. Right. But like when I when I say Mike was squatting, he moved about three inches. He squatted <laughs> twice, and, right. and when I was curling the snake, I wasn't. I was just basically pulling the snake away from my shoulder because he wanted to wrap around my neck. If you actually look at what was happening, the, the the principle of what we were doing is curling and squatting snakes. That that's a bit weird, but if you actually look at <laughs> if you look at the video, it's like. Well, okay, uh, nothing's actually happening. They're just talking yeah. crap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like it's like you know it 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 happens. You know, you and you're going to get negativity in in all walks. You know, in in all yeah. aspects of it. You know, sure. it's like it's like just the other day. You know, with with Shagpile. You know, <laughs> bit bit me on the hand. It's pretty. You know, it's, it's a carpet python. So you know, for a carpet python, it's a pretty nasty bite. But as as yeah. bites go, it was it was it was tame, really tame. Right. Uh, but, you know, I posted it on social media because the guy I got it from, I knew he'd find it absolutely hilarious because, he, you know, she was famous for being a bit of a bitch. So, you know, <laughs> you, put it, you put it on Facebook because, you know, it's funny. It makes people laugh for five minutes. But it yeah. was never intentional. It was never, no, ever, no, I'd no, never, no, ever no, do right. something like that intentional. Not, not in the slightest. Well, I would never, ever to, do that. You were trying to put her back in the tank when you... I was, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'll do anything. I can really to to avoid a bite, not not for my sake, you know. I, I can handle. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm. I'm you're more than you're a big boy. Then you're not a big boy. 
I'm a, I am a big boy. I'm a big, big boy. You know, you're the smallest person I've ever seen. That is, that is, yeah, that is very true. Um, you know, but it's more more for the snakes' benefit. You know, you you, you don't need them biting you all the time. It's not good for them. You know, it's yeah, not well, here, you know, it's not here is easy. Here, here in the U.S., it's easy for me because all I have to do is just go, "Hey, oh, that's nothing. You want to see something? Look for the guy that looks like he's at the climax of a porn movie, with his face <laughs> as the thumbnail. Go, go watch his video. That guy's getting bit in every single one, and everyone is prompted. You know, I think I like, know exactly who you mean. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we all yeah. do. You and know, that, go, and, go that, and that certain guy, yeah, and that certain guy will. And I've seen it on a, a number of videos. He will do the same thing. He'll put his hand in the tank. He'll realize that that, that animal, he knows that animal's bitey. You know, he knows it's a bit of a shit bag. And he will still go in that tank and he'll still try and wrestle it out with, with bare hands and stuff like that. No hooks whatsoever. He knows it's going to bite. He knows. He's on, he's on 100%. the show next week. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd, tear, I'd tear him apart. Let's get him on the show. <laughs> oh, well, anyways, um, just a bit conscious of time. Um, I want to put some really positive content out there. So, Dan, can you tell people where they can get in touch with you, where they can find your videos, and a little bit of information about, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, sure. Um, it's pretty much DM Exotics across all the social media accounts. Um, you can also put Dan Maleri into, you know, any of those search search parameters, and, and my stuff will pop up. But, uh we have a website, dmexotics.com. Uh, the, the channel on YouTube is DM Exotics and uh, Instagram, DM underscore exotics. It's all kind of the same. I'm not super active in groups and all that. You know, I see a lot of people, they post, you know, they'll, they'll have one picture that they want to brag about and they'll post it in eight different groups within three minutes, you know, and so uh, I, I'm, I'm not, yeah, <laughs> a lot of people are. Can we just ask you then, Dan, if you've got something really special that you do want to brag about, put it in Reptile and Chill. That's all you need to do. <laughs> right? <laughs> we'll, we'll post it for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. What I tend to do, to be honest with you, I get the most out of YouTube for me. So um, I know a lot of people use Instagram. That's like the latest, you know, latest and greatest thing that most people are on to. But for me, I like to... I like to drop a video. So whenever something really interesting is happening or, or comes up or whatever, I, I try to do it in, in video format for YouTube. This I, I get the most enjoyment out of it. I think people enjoy watching actual video. And Absolutely. that's where most of my most current things are, are going on. And I'll be honest, Dan, that's where I got to see you. I was scrolling through YouTube looking for snake videos and and I went bang, oh look at this guy and it was one of your videos where you was in one of your uh, one of the farms in Indonesia and I, I found it really interesting. Um so yeah, it, it, he, it definitely works. You know, with Dan's approach as well isn't just ah oh, look at all these cool animals I've got I've, I've imported that you can buy. He just doesn't he doesn't just do that. He takes you and shows you where the animals have came from and runs yes. you through all the steps. And you know what? And like, where they're kept as well yeah, in, I in always, the farm. And I can I can imagine there are some farms out there that are absolutely dog shit. Um, you know, because they're they're bound to be. But the farms that Dan's, you know, sourcing these animals from, they're so clean and you know, and they've got nice little gardens and they're just really, you know, very picturesque as well. And it's nice to know that these animals are coming from there. Um, you know, it, it's it's a nice feeling. 
Yeah. I think in one of the videos as well, Dan, within the uh, within the farm, there was actually some sort of like non-court stuff that you was going, yeah, look, they look at this up the tree, and they're, they're just naturally there anyway. Yeah, there, there was one yeah. with some vipers, I believe. Um, yeah. Some vipers in a tree, and you were faffing about with the hook, talking about them. Um, yeah, yeah. Quite a while ago. Yeah, the, um, the, the, the greatest thing for me is that I think I'm the only guy that's ever filmed on a reptile farm in Indonesia and put it up on YouTube. And I feel really proud and fortunate that I've been able to show the world what that looks like. Um, I can only show what the farm that I'm associated with looks like. I've, you know, I can't go film it at, you know, someone else's farm, but there's likely reasons why, nobody's filming and showing that yeah. stuff because maybe they're not as nice or they just want all that stuff hidden away. There's not that many farms. There's only like four, four to six functioning farms. And then that's it. And I don't know what those other ones look like. I know, th I know that, you know, some of them are good and probably a couple others are, you know, I don't even know a farm would be the right word for it, but um, I think it's cool that I'm able to, to show Absolutely. that unique content, you know, it's, yeah. I think it's really neat. I think a lot of people get value out of being able to see that. And, and I like to, there's so many fakes out there, you know, that they claim that they, they're importers or they claim this and they claim that. And everybody wants to be something, but very few of them actually are anything. And I'm that guy that is doing stuff and I don't have to make things up. And I yeah. love to valid, validate it with with video, and it's all That's there brilliant. for everyone to see, you know. And I I just like that. I just like being true and honest, just like we spoke about earlier. Yeah, I'm just putting out good stuff, you know. No lying when it's on video. You're like it speaks for itself. There it is. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Mm, yeah, well, I think so. Just before we wrap up the show, Danny, Mike, have you got anything else you want to ask, Dan? Yeah, so I need to know if he can get me. There's a boiger out there that I'm really liking. It's like a blue phase one. Divergens. Yeah, divergens. That's. I, <laughs> I actually think that's going to be my first ever sort of like rear fang snake that I would that I would. But I want it to be the absolutely pristine. So if you can get me one of them, Dan. <laughs> we should I, put it out. We should put I it out to asked, all the listeners. There you go. Phelps wants some divergence. <laughs> I get asked. I get asked for that species a lot. Do and you? My yeah. answer. My answer is actually kind of a dick, I guess, in a way, because those animals are in Europe. Um, they're from the Philippines. Those animals, the parental stock, made it to Europe some sort of way. Uh, Philippines doesn't export all their animals are protected. So, yeah. um, those animals are in Europe and there are some here, the people, they're not CITES protected. So, uh, okay. uh there's, there's offspring that's making its way here into the U S as well, but I'm not the guy for that. Um, I, I know the guy that originally from the Philippines got those animals into Europe. He all actually right. offered, offered to do the same thing for me, which of course, I you, said you thanks. Declined. No thanks. Yeah, Absolutely. but um, but those animals are in Europe, so you've right. already got them over there. Yeah, you got the main guys over there to do that. <laughs> yep. Right then. So, Dan, thanks for coming on. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. 
Um, yeah, sure. You know, I've, I've listened to you and watched your, your channel for years. And it, again, for you to come on, um, it, it, it's awesome. So thank you. Um, guys um, listening, thanks for tuning in. Our T-shirts are still available on reptileandchill.bigcartel.com. Uh, I'll actually get my words out. Um, Unfortunately, they don't come in 5XL. And we won't be able to send one to Dan because <laughs> he's a big <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> 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 um, obviously, check out on the YouTube page. We're on Instagram as well, and Facebook, and all the other usual places. Um, thanks for listening, and good night. Mm-hmm.